This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, John, and with me as always is Dan, who uh, I think you will probably enjoy, you know, the business we took care of in the front of this by actually having the sponsors in the front so people are actually getting to hear our awesome sponsors. That's right. Now you know where to, where to get your favorite band merch, how to make your hair and beard look on point. I mean, you got it going on. And, and honestly, you can drink coffee while you're doing on doing all that. That is absolutely true. You could be a bean bastard if you wanted to be. Um, shout out to all of them. We're still going to plug them at the end of the show, but you know what? Maybe you don't listen to the end of the show, so we wanted to start taking care of our sponsors by having them uh, be right up front and present um, without their support. Obviously, the show doesn't continue to be as cost efficient for us to do. <laughs> and that's just a politically correct way to say it. Yeah, that's basically just the reality of it. Uh, it just allows us to uh, actually have uh, some of our bills uh, paid for from this podcast. So thank you to Rockabilia, On Point Palmade, and The Bean Bastard. Uh, we will thank them all again at the end of the show in case you forgot. But uh, this episode's guest, Travis Miguel of Atreyu, uh, who they actually have a new album coming out. What was that? Entrapped. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah that is a trap um I know that before before listening to this chat i had no idea that he filled in for trapped as a touring guitarist really yeah i had no clue hmm. see i figured maybe you would i mean you, you see all of the news and so forth so i kind of would have figured you've seen you know whenever traps kind of making a headline that a lot of the sites will run with the photo with travis in the background like literally like if uh God, what's the guy's name? Chris, Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor Brown or something like that. Uh, if you see Chris Taylor, like front and center, Travis is usually just over his shoulder, like right by his head. So it's kind of hard not to, to see him. I think Chris Brown is such a douche that whenever I just see a picture of trapped, his douchiness just, just destroys anything that's in the background. So I just <laughs> like, that's just how I know how to click. That's how I know when to click away. 
Mm. Like that Windows error message that's like, get me out of here. <laughs> yes. Um, but to tell you, actually, before we ended up doing this chat, uh, there was no record announcement. They only had Save Us as the only single at that point. But now there is a record, Baptize. It is coming out uh, soonish. Pre-orders are up over at AtreyuOfficial.com. Uh, there's a really sweet blue variant uh, to the vinyl, which I need to pick up. Uh, CDs, wall flags, merch, all of those things. Head on over there, support those guys. At this point, they've dropped three singles now. We're pretty much primed and ready to uh, have Porter come back on and do his uh, album cycle you know, appearance on the on the podcast. So uh, should be a good time, and we just gotta get Kyle. I think he's the last one we have to collect for the the whole tree. I, I know how you're, I love how you're like, yeah, yeah. I'm really into collecting, and like I just have this like vision of you having band members trapped in like glass cases in your uh, in your room. <laughs> well, it's the part of my office you can't see. Right. Everybody John's ever interviewed is actually trapped in his office. You need a bigger house. It's actually like Motel Hell. I, I bury them up into their necks. But then I cut their like, and then you just throw fer- like grow- growth fertilizer right right down their throat, so they stay alive. Yeah, there, 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 lots of nutrients in that. Yes, and then I turn them into food, if I remember correctly. Yes, burger. Yeah, I grind them up. Yeah, great movie. What an under like, like that's that's the era of like my childhood is like watching weird horror movies like that and Hellraiser and. Uh, God, what other like they live and just a bunch of other crazy shit. The Predator. <laughs> yeah, me and my buddy Mike, uh, we found a copy of Motel Hell on VHS uh, at an old family video. I guess they're all old family videos now. Yeah, they're uh, all gone. Yeah, they were the last bastion. But uh, yeah, we got a VHS because they had this like tiny VHS section once DVD came out. And I think it was like Hotel Motel Hell and a bunch of uh, Godzilla movies. <laughs> we had you know had our had our fill of godzilla movies so we decided to get motel hell and we're not disappointed yeah it's an interesting movie um definitely a classic if you have never seen it uh i'm not gonna say it's good uh last time i told someone that i loved a classic horror movie was when i went to go see the 4k restoration of phantasm with uh, a friend and his wife and apparently he hadn't seen the movie in a long time. And I was like, Oh yeah, this movie is like absolutely bonkers and makes no fucking sense. Uh, it's kind of borderline, not good, but I mean, it's good because of just how fucking random it is. Like the tall man grabbing that casket, just and just chucking it. And you're like, God damn. That's awesome. This is one of my, one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Phantasm. And it, like I said, makes no fucking sense. They show you the portals that, take you to another dimension that they don't ever fucking explain. It's, it's literally like that uh, scene in Wayne's world when they open that door and there's just all these people fighting and training for no reason. I do have one plan. What are you going to do with these guys? Oh, nothing really. I just always wanted to open a door to a room where people are being trained like in James Bond movies. Wicked. Yeah. But it's portals to another dimension, and you're like, are we ever going to talk about that? No. <laughs> There's a uh, yeah, okay. Sorry, this isn't the Dan and John's horror movie podcast. But if you want that, you know, let us know. That could be Patreon. Absolutely, we could do that. It's all about the Patreon. Throw throw, throw a couple of bucks in the chip in the tip jar, and you know, uh, then we can quit our jobs. <laughs> How sad! For a couple of dollars, we could quit our jobs. <laughs> we're, we're this close. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, that was something Travis and I talked about was, uh, you know, basically him starting a Treyu. And then, you know, that was kind of how he ended up uh, kind of doing the trap gig uh, was just, you know, he obviously didn't want to get a normal nine to five and the opportunity presented itself and he ended up uh, being a hired gun, which, uh, you know, I think is an interesting thing. And I know there's obviously a really great documentary called Hired Guns. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a really interesting phenomenon. I mean, something I don't think a lot of people know. Maybe they do. I don't know that listen to this show, but like uh Nuno Betancourt from Extreme is Rihanna's guitar player. Oh, I did not. Oh, wait. No, I do know that. But like that dude probably makes fucking bank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, take it where you can get it. I mean, it's a slippery slope, though, not one to get a nine to five. Because like over time, your band might put out a great record and you might live off of that for a while. But then before you know it, it could be like 20 years later and you could be charging people $500 to eat dinner with you. I mean, it, you know, it's a very slippery slope. Those must be some good uh, pork sandwiches. Pork steaks, you know it. Ah, well, whatever. Um, this conversation's a little bit long, and we're not really adding any <laughs> value to it. So let's get right into my conversation with Travis, and we will talk to you guys on the other side of it. for doing this first and foremost and on kind of somewhat short notice um oh yeah thanks for having me no you've been kind of making the rounds actually surprisingly very recently uh and that's kind of something i guess we'll hop right into is uh you know i think for the most part i've always kind of known you to kind of be the quiet one in the band uh you know outside of the press you and dan would do for guitar magazines and so forth you didn't really seem to do a whole lot of press um was that just kind of given your more propensity for being kind of shy or just no one really was asking. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more than happy to do any kind of press or, you know, podcasts like this, stuff like that. Um, but you know, like a, <laughs> a lot of the dudes in my band have got something to say. And, uh, <laughs> and if they want to take the mic, so to speak, then that's perfectly fine with me. Um, then again, you know, like you said, if somebody asks me to do a podcast or asks me to do an interview or anything like that, yeah, I'm more than happy to for sure. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the consensus is that I, I'm the mysterious one. <laughs> so as such, like, you know, the, the handful of podcasts, like I wasn't able to get through or two, I should say, uh, the Rock and Roll Beer Guy podcast you did that posted uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, but obviously heard you on Kyle from Bad Wolves podcast. And it's one of the few times I feel like I got to know more of you. But in the limited stuff I've been able to find of you in the last year, really, I would say since long live, um, I've not really ever heard you talk about your your childhood, really. Like, so, I mean, we were just kind of talking like you're, you've lived out in California for a while, but like, I don't think I really know much about like your childhood, how you really got into playing guitar and, and any of your, you know, beginning bands or anything. So I kind of want to know a little bit about that, like your history kind of. Yeah, well, I was uh, born and raised in Orange County, California. Um, typical suburban upbringing. Um, you know, my my parents are still together which, you know, for my generation is, uh, I don't want to say it's weird, but no, it I, is. 
<laughs> like I, when I tell people, my wife and I, when we started to cut you off, when my wife and I first met and we were like, yeah, both of our parents are still together. They're like weird. And I was right. like, I know it doesn't seem like it to us. Cause that's just what we know, but it is weird to grow up and have people be like, your parents are still together. What's that like? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember growing up, like it was, you know, like you said, it was very much a normal thing for like, you know, my, my friends to be, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be at my dad's house this weekend, or I'm going to my mom's over Christmas or whatever. Um, that was very, very much just a normal thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, my, my parents are still together, still hanging out in orange County. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had your typical, uh, suburban upbringing. Um, you know, I grew up playing in the street, skateboarding, um, you know, uh, I went to, <laughs> went to public school, um, discovered music at a somewhat early age, like 11 or 12. Um, not necessarily actively playing music, but I was, I developed an interest in it. Um, and then all throughout, you know, middle school or what was, what it was known as then junior high. Uh, through high school and up into my 20s, yeah, like music definitely played uh, an important role in my life. Um, and then gradually, you know, like I picked up a guitar around 11 or 12 um, and just kind of stuck with it. And then eventually found myself playing in bands and then um, met up with the Atreyu guys and uh, I've been doing it ever since. So a couple of things to that. Hey, do you still have your first guitar? Um, I have my first like real guitar. It was a, a, a Gibson Les Paul Studio. Mm. Um, I got it when I was, I think, like eighteen or nineteen. That was my, like I said, it was my first like real uh, genuine, like bonafide guitar. <laughs> um, actually, our first record. Um, Suicide Notes and Butterfly Butterfly Kisses uh, was all done on that guitar. Um, but yeah, I still have it. It's still I, I I plug it in every few years, and it, things still still sounds great. I probably I'll probably never get rid of it. <laughs> it's always funny because the, the story with that either is I sold it, I got rid of it, lost it you know, yeah. traded it for something. So it's always one of those that like, if you still have your first one, it's, it's always kind of special and all that kind of stuff. Like I still have mine. I actually just found it recently and it's a piece of shit, but I can't get, I can't stand to get rid of it. I'm just like, but it was my first. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm when it comes to gear, I'm a little bit of a hoarder. <laughs> um, like I just, I hate to get rid of it. Cause I'm always, I've always, I always convinced myself that someday I'm going to need it. Even though it's been sitting in the garage for like the past, eight or nine years and I haven't seen it or it's just collecting dust, but I just cannot get rid of it much to my wife's chagrin. Um, like my garage is just filled with guitar cases and amplifiers that are just collecting dust, which will probably continue to sit there and just collect dust. Hey, you never know one day in 20, 30 years, one of those things might be worth just a shitload of money. Probably not, but I mean, there's always, there's always <laughs> we that gotta tell your wife. Right. Yeah. 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 No, this is going to be vintage. And yeah, when it's an, it's an investment. Yeah. That's what sometimes I have to tell myself with stuff. And I'm like, it's an investment. And then it's like an investment of what? Me? 
<laughs> right. Something yeah. I can sell later on. <laughs> yeah, it's an investment investment in my OCD tendencies to not get rid of shit. <laughs> um, what was you know? Because what's interesting is like I think for a lot of people, I, I think you're a few years older than me. I'm going to be 37 in a few months. Um, so I think you're probably like what 40, 42 somewhere in there. I'll be 42 next month. Okay. So not terribly much older than me, but I was going to say what's interesting is for, I think people my age, like you and Dan and and a handful of people that came up in, in your scene as your local scene that became a a national scene, uh, became kind of people to inspire some of us to want to play guitar. You are playing style and being able to differentiate you from Dan. I don't feel like your playing necessarily started with, you know, being a Metallica kind of guy or something like that. I feel like you were maybe more of uh, a player who kind of filled in space and kind of was a, a very, I don't know the word I'm looking for right now, but I feel like your influences maybe not be as, as obvious as some others. So who were some of your influences when playing guitar and starting out? Um, well, actually, I mean, the band that really sent me on my way was Metallica. Oh, um, I, was, I mean, they weren't necessarily the reason I picked up a guitar, but they were one of the many reasons I picked up a guitar. Um, I had discovered Metallica and then then picked up the guitar, but my skill level at the time was not <laughs> near the point it needed to be for me to learn a Metallica song. Mm. Um, so that didn't come till like a little later. Um, but as far as uh like guitar influences um i'm just trying to think of like growing up it was uh when i could when i first developed the chops to be able to play stuff like that yeah it was stuff like metallica uh jerry cantrell from allison james has always been one of my favorite guitar players ever um in fact i actually i got to meet him very very briefly a number of years ago at the NAM show hmm. and it was the most awkward, uncomfortable thing. <laughs> all, all like a hundred percent on my part because um, like long story short, I was at the NAM show a number of years ago. I was just, I got, I got separated from the group I was with. So I was just kind of meandering around by myself and I ran into a friend who worked for line six at the time. And we were just kind of hanging out like, passing a flask back and forth. Uh, Those were the drinking days, obviously. Um, And Jerry Cantrell walks by and, you know, I'm like, Oh shit, that's Jerry Cantrell. That's like, you know, that's my favorite guitar player. And my friend goes, Oh, I know Jerry, let's go meet him. And she like grabs me by the arm (laughs) and just start, we start making a beeline for him. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, I'm not ready for this. You know, and before I know it, she's like, Travis, Jerry, Jerry, Travis. And then she leaves. Oh no. <laughs> so it's just like me and him. And it's, it was, it was like that old SNL skit where Chris Farley interviews Paul McCartney. <laughs> it was exactly like that. And right. Like I could, I was just grasping at straws to think of something to say. And I was just fumbling all over my words. And I remember walking away from the conversation. Like, I don't even remember what the hell we talked about, but I just remember walking the, walking away from the conversation, just going, stupid that was so stupid travis you <laughs> totally screwed that up that's your you know um so that was a, kind of a, a funny anecdote i guess um 
but yeah, guitar players, every, you know, everybody from, you know, like I said, Jerry Cantrell, uh, Andreas Kisser from Sepultura. I've always admired his playing. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan, um, even though obviously I don't play like Stevie Ray Vaughan, but the, he's one of those guitar players that, you know, when he hits one or two notes, you know exactly who it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with, you know, Dimebag Daryl. Um, yeah, man, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but, um, but yeah, as far as being a guitar, uh, guitar player, I definitely try to be as well-rounded as I possibly can, whether it's on the technique side of things or the, uh, theory side, like I'm constantly trying to, um, to be well-versed in music theory you know, I, for the longest time, I had the approach of, well, if, you know, if you, if there's rules, they're just, I mean, they're made to be broken, which will get you so far, but, it, you know, it, it's not 100% detrimental that you have to learn music theory, but it definitely helps. It provides, you know, tools that you can later use that you might not have thought about had you not known this aspect of theory, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of funny you say that because it, I think something that becomes interesting and it's not even just learning how to play music or anything like that. I think it applies to a lot of life is there's the initial passion or the spark of passion, but then you realize you need to take it a little bit more seriously if you want to become proficient at a thing or I don't want to say a master because I don't think you can technically ever really master anything you can always learn and keep learning but I think that's kind of the interesting thing you know in thinking about the band you guys I mean essentially this is really like the only band you guys have done like you guys are all either still in or just out of high school from what I've basically heard and it's it's interesting to think about that from the perspective of you started this thing as just something to do to jam with friends and have fun. And then now here we are 20 years later and it's a career. Right. Yeah. Um, I was even at a young age, I was very much a realist, you know, like I never, I would have never put money on um, being in a full-time band, Hmm. making a living out of it, let alone for the better part of 20 years, you know, um, I thought, you know, we'd, you know, we, we'd get signed, record a record, maybe do a little touring and then we'd probably all go back to work or go back to school and, you know, live the normal, uh, nine to five, but it did, it didn't pan out that way. It just, it was a very, um, slow and steady, uh, rise for us, you know, um, the me- the momentum just never really stopped. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I have to kind of pinch myself every once in a while and, you know, be like, dude, I'm, I still get to do this. This is awesome. Does it surprise you to think back and see how much your, at the time, your local scene really impacted this growing kind of different stamp of metal. Is it kind of weird to see like, you know, you Avenge and a lot of the people out in your area just put a a stamp on metal and kind of having, 
a national attention to it? Yeah, it was, it was definitely weird. I, I wouldn't even say weird. It was just kind of, it definitely felt like we were part of something that was garnering attention. Um, you know, ba- you know, obviously bands like us, uh, Avenged, uh, Thrice, um, you know, and then, you know, obviously like 18 Visions, Throwdown, Bleeding Through. Um, it was kind of odd to have all this attention focused on our little, uh, it was, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't say little scene, but, um, you know, I mean, we were all just dumb kids making a racket and evidently a lot of people liked it. Something else in doing this, and, and like I said, me being from the East Coast initially, and I kind of have thought about this as I've gotten older in relationship to even more rap and hip hop, you know, there being very regional sounds, um, you know, between the East Coast, the West Coast, and then in the, the late 90s, early 2000s, the stuff coming out of the South and so forth. And, you know, kind of putting that prism or that lens on the hardcore scene kind of as it was growing you know, you have a definitive sound in, in the East Coast, but then kind of around the same time you're coming up is sort of when that like New England style Massachusetts scene was also kind of coming up and so forth. What are some of your memories of making your trek to the East Coast and kind of seeing this other new wave of music kind of coming up in, in the same, you know, overall umbrella of metal? We were definitely cognizant of what was going on in different parts of the country. Um, you know, especially like you said, like the Massachusetts, you know, like kill switch on earth, uh, shadows fall like that. Um, that those group of bands, you know, we definitely, um, were aware of what was going on over there. Uh, even, you know, um, through the South, like bands like Norma Jean or even like stretch Armstrong, uh, or even down into Florida, you had like uh, Poison the Well and Shia Lude. Um, so it was cool to to know that this kind of stuff was going on all over the country and there were kindred spirits. It wasn't just us and our little scene in our own little bubble. There was a lot of stuff going on all over the country. And um, it was, yeah, it was definitely cool to uh, to have been part of that. It's just always kind of interesting because I think in today's landscape now, we're able to, we have the internet and, you know, you have things like hate five, six, which are, you know, they're getting, you know, old cassettes uh, from old shows back in the late nineties, early two thousands and so forth. And, you know, you see pages like return to the pit and you see this, the sense of nostalgia that everyone has for, for these bands like yourself and so forth. But the weird thing is, is everyone's like, Oh, I was there. And you're like, you all will attest yeah there were three people at that show like it seems cool to say that you were there now but when we were doing this thing like no one was supporting it and it's it's kind of interesting to think back to that because it's like it you just look at it with such fondness and nostalgia now that everyone's like well there's no way there wasn't people falling off like climbing the rafters and jumping off of everything because that's what it would seem like it would be now that's what i would do now and I just don't know if like you look at that because I know you're not super active on social media necessarily, but I don't know if you see that and just kind of chuckle at yourself and you're like, 
where were all of you like 20 years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we definitely had, you know, especially like on the, those first couple tours, we had those shows where there was literally like 10 people there and five of them were there just because they would have been there anyway. Like that was their normal, like, you know, watering hole. And we just happened to be there. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying now that, you know, like you said, there's this nostalgia factor that has kind of taken place and people kind of, um, pining for, I don't know if it's, they're just trying to cling on to their youth or, um, you know, or they just straight up miss those days. Um, but I think that happens with every, um, I don't want to say scene, but you know, it's, it's very, very, very cyclical, you know, like the whole, um, mm. you know, like 10, 15 years ago, the eighties was a huge thing. And now it kind of seems like the nineties are very much a thing right now. Um, you know, even like the clothes people are wearing, like skin tight jeans aren't cool anymore. And swoopy haircuts are, <laughs> you know, it's definitely not, not the fashion right now. Um, it's like more like, you know, looser fitting clothes and like oversized beanies and flannels. Like that's cool now. So it's all, it's all very, very, very cyclical. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, it just kind of is what it is. That's just kind of how things pan out. You know, as, as you were kind of saying, saying, talking about cyclical things and as sort of what I was just saying, I kind of just thought of something I know obviously people have an attachment to, you know, suicide notes. That's what a lot of people still love. You know, you, you, I'm sure you see the comments of people going, I wish they go back to the sound of the first two records, so on and so forth. Is it weird to know that you're kind of part of that for people that you are a part of their, their youth that they're trying to recapture? I definitely, I, I kind of remind myself of that. Like, I shouldn't say remind myself, but <laughs> I, I do get, I get reminded of that. Like, you know, um, people from time to time come up to me and be, oh, you know, your, your first few records, like that was a soundtrack to my youth <laughs> or, you know, that was like, you know, a huge part of, it made me who I am today. And that, that's a lot to take in. You know, because I'm just a dude <laughs> who got lucky, who I can kind of make my way around a guitar. And, you know, like, it, it's it's weird to be put up on a pedestal like that. I mean, it's nice. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's it's cool to have admiration. It You know, it makes me feel good. But, you know, I'm definitely not a guy who's like, I don't, I definitely don't expect it. Like, somebody to come up and be like, you know, and just shower me with all this praise, you know, cause like I said, I'm just, I'm just a dude doing what he does. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it, it's kind of a weird thing though, where I don't think we, we as people think about how tied to things we, we become. And like, you know, I, I very much am in that same boat. Like there are aspects of some of your records where I can put myself back to where I was when they came out how I identified with certain things from those records and a lot of other records. That's the beautiful thing about music, but it's something where 
I don't think I've really ever said that to someone because I realize how much of a mind fuck that probably is. <laughs> like to, to right. say like you're so ensconced in my life that you're why I am the way I am. And it's like, what do you then in turn do with that? Just like, you know, I've made the comment to a handful of people on this show where, you know, their lyrics may be dealing with some really heavy shit, you know, think about like the first corn record and songs like daddy and, and stuff like that. And from that point on, Jonathan Davis now becomes the focal point of people's abuse stories and so forth. And then, you know, him having to hear some of the worst shit that have happened to people day in and day out, letters, fan mail, so on and so forth. And it's like, you already have heard what he's gone through and him getting that out. And now you're basically bouncing it back and sending it to him, but it's coming back millionfold, basically. And I don't think a lot of people tend to think about what that does to the person you're telling. Yeah, it can be really, really heavy. And it's not something that you just dump on somebody every day. You know what I mean? Um, but then again, like I said, like uh, the, the fact that somebody even latched on to our music for whatever reason, whether it be they, uh, a certain lyric resonated with them or they just, they really liked that sick breakdown, <laughs> you know, um, the fact that it's, it's resonating with people at all is um, it's a mind fuck, but in a very, in a cool way, really, you know, like I said, like me personally, I never thought that anybody would even hear any kind of music that I've made or any kind of music that I've been a part of, let alone have it resonate with them to the point where, you know, they do come up to me and say, you know, what you did struck a chord with me and it made me feel a certain way. And, um, you know, it's a lot of time I, I have to like take a second and kind of process that and wrap my head around the fact that some complete stranger really likes something that I did. You know, um, you know, it's at the end of the day, it's cool. Like I'm, I'm not complaining one bit thing that's sort of interesting in, in thinking about your band is kind of, you know, the fact that you went away and I'm trying to remember if I prose this to either brand Porter or even Dan in my talks with them over the last couple of years since you guys have come back. But, you know, I'd asked this to Dennis from refused and, you know, you're in a unique position where you went away for a little while. So you got to be, actually, I guess that's one of the first questions. So when the band went away and you no longer are Travis from Atreyu, was there a little bit of a rediscovery of who you are as a person or what you meant to yourself? I don't know if there was a, a full on like rediscovery of myself, but I definitely, um, it put things into perspective. Um, how I relate to being in Atreyu. Um, you know, it, it's that old saying, like, you know, you don't know what you've got until it's left you or until it's gone. You know, at the time, right before we went on that hiatus, you know, we were all pretty much fried. Um, it was very, it was just a constant cycle of write a record, record the record, tour the record, uh, wash, rinse, repeat. So I think we had to kind of just 
step away from it and kind of reevaluate what we um, like, who we are as people, um, what we want out of this band. And, um, you know, it took the better part of, you know, four years of inactivity to, for, for us to, you know, to realize, you know, okay, what we ate, what we had done with this band um, up until that point is actually pretty fucking awesome. Um, we all miss it. So mm-hmm. let's, let's reconvene and start the machine up again. You know, the other part of that is, and it sounds like obviously it is the case, but was there something to where you have a better understanding of what the band means to you now versus what it meant to you when you started? Were you able to kind of reflect on that at all? Yeah. 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 Um, there were for, well, for me personally, there were just a lot of things that I took for granted. Mm. Um, you know, like the fact that I even, I get to travel the world and play music to people. Um, like when you think of that as like, that's, you know, that's what I do for a living. It's, fucking absurd it's like (laughs) it's it's like it's too good to be true you know but during but during those last you know like that last year before we went on hiatus like i said we were all just fried we were kind of phoning it in and you know there were times like we'd be on tour and we you know we'd be counting down the days till we got home and we you know and just, you know, focusing on how much time we would have off as opposed to how much time we would be spending on the road or, you know, being, getting shit done as a, mm. as a band. It's weird now that I'm, you know, I'm older now. And usually the, the um, overall, I guess, like the arc of, uh, of being a guy in a band or at least a, a moderately successful band is that, you know, when they're younger, they want to hit the road nonstop and, you know, play as much as they can and be as busy as they possibly can. And then they start to kind of wind down, maybe tour a week or two here, or a week or two there. But for me, it's kind of the opposite. Like n- now that I know, and I'm very cognizant of the fact of, of how very lucky and fortunate we are to even be able to, to still be doing this, like I want to stay busy as much as we can, mm. you know, whether it's touring or um, writing or doing whatever, you know, because I know that, you know, this could very well end at any point. And I, you know, I want to take full advantage of every opportunity that we can. And, you know, basically I just don't want to get a nine to five job. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was the last part you heard? I guess it literally cut out right as you started talking. Oh, okay. All right. Um, so basically just kind of talking more about, um, you know, as you're touring and you're, you're kind of touring at a very young age and, you know, you're kind of figuring out who you are as a person and, and kind of who you want to be, but then also being signed and, and part of the, I would say not downfall or detriment, but just kind of the byproduct of being young and getting signed is now all the aspects of being in a band that you didn't give a fuck about when you started, you know, having to learn about marketing, you know, budgets and all of these kind of things that it starts kind of 
making you think of things from a different perspective. You know, now you're, you're not doing this just for the sheer love of it, but you're doing it because, you know, you're expected to make this person or this label a certain amount of money. You're expected to, when you make music now, it's not just music that you feel passionate about, but now it's also a product. It's a commodity and wondering what it looks like for you when you are learning about who you're going to be and who you want to be. And kind of thinking about that as you get older now, where you're like, fuck, I, I can't believe, like, I didn't realize this had such an impact on who I became. Uh, and maybe it wouldn't have if I wouldn't have been in this situation. Yeah. I, I mean, being in a Treyu, you know, has definitely shaped who I am today um, in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was very much, you know, when you're, like you said, when you're in a band starting out, most likely in your, you know, your mid to late teens, you're not thinking about budgets. You're not thinking about booking agents. You're just thinking about writing the sickest riffs you can. Um, but when you do get signed and you do, when your band starts to gain momentum, you're going to learn these things, whether you realize it or not. Um, and I think it's just a matter of what kind of um, bandwidth you have for that kind of, I guess, if you want to call it like the behind the scenes stuff. Um, you know, some people are very, very proactive with it. Some people are very, very hands on with it. Um, and you, I mean, there, there's definitely should be somebody in the band, at least one person who plays that role. Um, and luckily, on um, got me. All right, everything looks good on my end. I see everything's working. I can hear you. So okay. sorry. No worries. No worries. Uh, you're frozen now. I mean, it's it's Michigan right now. Getting <laughs> 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 everywhere as a whole. Bringing it back to where we started. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I I don't know. I don't. I would assume inter- cold weather shouldn't impact internet, but I have no idea. I don't know if that's a thing. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's what rolling, like you were saying, rolling blackouts. So I guess in theory, like weather can affect stuff like that. I mean, we'll we'll just chalk it up to that. I mean, we got to blame it on something, right? May as well just blame it on the weather. Well, I I can't wait for someone to be like, oh, it was great until like, you know, the whatever, like get a better internet connection. It's like, I'm sorry, we're on the internet. This shit fucking happens. Right. Yeah. Nothing's, nothing's perfect. No. Unfortunately, I wish it I wish it were more perfect er. Right. But but no, I and it's just kind of weird because like I, I constantly think about, you know, you guys all growing up and, and what being in the industry, how it shaped you, maybe good or bad, because of the experiences you have. Like I I think in some instances, you know, if you listen to uh um the Pure Pleasure podcast, uh Dewey constantly talks about how you know he thinks a lot of people when they grow up, you know, when they're young, they should travel you know, the U S and kind of see what they're made of and so forth. And I think it definitely in my years now in the last five or six with my wife starting to travel and see more to the U S and hopefully internationally when we can, I think it is becoming this thing where I'm starting to get a broader sense of the world. Like I, I've, I've gone to places when people talk about, you know, when Southern hospitality, it's a thing a lot of people talk about. I love Atlanta and I've gone to a handful of places in the South and that shit's real. It is a real Mm -hmm. thing. And 
I've seen how, you know, being from the East Coast, I see how we are out there. And I think I get a broader sense of how people are. And I think you can't help but understand that and see that when you are in a position like yours. But I also wonder if, you know, for all the good that, you know, touring at a young age can do for you. I also just wonder if it becomes a thing where, you know, being a part of the business side of it just kind of starts fucking with you mentally where you're like, well, I thought these songs were good. And now someone who loved what I was doing is like, no, that sucks. You're not good. And if it just becomes this thing where you're like, oh, fuck, well, shit, this is all I really know how to do. And now you're telling me it's not good. And yeah, and I mean, that that's, you. That's, def- that's pretty much the main reason why I refuse to ever look at any kind of comment section. Mm. Um, you know, because, you know, I'm very much, I don't want to say I'm a pessimist, but I'm very, I tend to be a bit cynical at mm-hmm. times. So with, with that being said, you know, I'll read all the positive comments and they essentially <laughs> just kind of go, go through one ear and out the other. And then I'll read one negative comment and I'll be like, who the fuck was this? You know, like, fuck you. You have no idea what it took to get here. You know, blah, 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 blah. So just for my own sanity, I, I can't look at comment sections for that very reason. Cause it'll just start fucking with my brain and it'll put me in a pissy mood, you know, and it's just not worth it. Was it at least better when you started because the internet really didn't exist to the capacity it did. So the only bad reviews were those that were in press or did that actually make it worse because you're like, Oh fuck this one person who actually has a platform is being shitty. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I think I had in a, in a weird way, I think I had a tougher skin back mm-hmm. then. Um, so yeah, now I'm just like, I, I know what it will do to me if I start reading negative comments. So I just avoid it altogether. Mm. You know, something else I kind of wanted to to talk about a little bit, Um, you know, on this show, you know, obviously it's called Brutally Speaking, and it is a clever pun on drinking and so forth. And really, it was just a a fun way to come up with a pun that would be easily Googleable for us to pop up uh, for SEO and stuff like that. But really, it's, it's a play on having, you know, at times brutally honest conversations, which is something um in doing this podcast that I think uh, people have said that, you know, I kind of have a knack for is just having people divulge things to me who barely know me at all. And, you know, some people have not wanted to come onto the show because of the name or the perception of what they think the show is without really giving it a fair shake or listening to it. And very recently, you know, I was talking to my dad and he was talking about, you know, oh, you have people who listen to the show and, and, you know, do you ever think about what you will do with your platform? And I never really thought of it like that because I'm like, no one fuck. I mean, I see people listen to it, but I don't, no one comments on it for the most part. So I don't really ever think about this as having some kind of a platform that people are, are going to hear. So I used to kind of be like, oh, it's a fucking, like, you know, we used to joke, Scott Stapp won't do our show because he's sober now. <laughs> and I still think it's funny. Uh, because part of me is like, well, then I hope you don't ever play a bar or a club ever again. Cause Oh my God, they have alcohol there. Right. Right. right so right. It, it's sort of like, that's where I kind of took the joke of it all is like, 
you won't do my show because you're sober now and you're afraid it's gonna in conflict with your sobriety like then how how strong in your sobriety are you if like you can't do a show that won't even ask you like not like be like oh we're getting hammered with scott stapp like you know it ain't happening but it does become this thing where recently i've kind of come to the conclusion that maybe we need to utilize our and decide that that's a route that they need to to take um so i know you know you made a comment back to nam where you you know back in your drinking days before meeting jerry cantrell but with you know i know you've kind of done some other podcasts and so forth talking about your sobriety and so forth but um i guess for just kind of a quick recap what led you to it and how have you found it to be how have you found it to uh be a positive influence not just in your daily life but maybe even your working relationships with the rest of the dudes in the band yeah i mean i i stopped drinking um a little over six years ago and it was a long time coming um i had been a drinker for the better part of like 20 years and um you know it started off you know fun and innocent just like everybody else you know but then it just it became part of my life. Like it became an everyday thing for me. Mm. And there's a billion different reasons as to why. And I'm still trying to sift through all of that. Um, But it just got to a point where, you know, people actually took notice that I wasn't doing well. Mm. Um, You know, because I got, whenever I would drink, I was never, um, I was never a liability. You know, you, you meet, some people are, you know, you've got friends who are like, you know, oh, I can't, I can't drink Jack. Otherwise I'll get into a fight with somebody or, you know, I can't drink this because, you know, I'll, I'll end up naked in a field somewhere. Like that kind of stuff never happened with me. So it was kind of a, it was a blessing, but it was also a curse because it gave me license to just drink even more mm-hmm. because I never really got out of hand. I'm sure I got annoying from time to time, but that was probably, that was probably it. Um, like one of the biggest reasons why I drank so much was just because I've never felt comfortable in my own skin. Mm. So the drinking definitely helped alleviate that. Um, and you know, like another reason is I can't stand being around drunk people when I'm dead sober. Mm. So I figured, well, if I can't beat them, I may as well join them. And so, you know, that carried on for years and then, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of mental and emotional things as well. But yeah, I mean, it got to a point where, um, you know, the dudes in my band were like, you know, we're concerned for you. Like, you know, we can see it on you. You don't look good. You're, you know, you kind of look like a sad clown. (laughs) You know, it's, you know, you're smiling on the outside, but we can tell from a mile away that that smile is definitely not on the inside. Um, so yeah, I had to take a bit of a sabbatical for about nine or 10 months and just kind of figure my shit out. And, um, it, it, you know, it wasn't easy, obviously. I mean, if it were easy, every, nobody would have an alcohol problem. Um, and, um, you know, I'm still dealing with, I, I will, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm going to be dealing with this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Some days are better than others, you know, and, Dude, I'm not going to lie. I miss getting, getting fucked up. You know, it, like some of the funnest times I've ever had in my life were when I were, when, when I was hammered. Um, but everything has a shelf life. 
Mm. You know, and um, I mean, even just looking back to it now, like at the rate I was drinking, I'd have if I were to continue on, I would have had I would have severe health problems by now, if not dead. Mm. Um, so, and you know, even just the hangovers themselves, like you know, it's fun. You know, when you're in, in your twenties. After a night of boozing, you can wake up, you know, take an Advil, down some water and shake it off and you're fine for the rest of the day. But, you know, when you get up there in age, shaking those hangovers is not as easy. Like you're out of commission for 24 <laughs> to 48 hours. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm glad I stopped when I did. And um, there's there's a lot of positive aspects, obviously, from from abstaining from from drinking, especially at the rate I was, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't easy. It took a lot of getting used to. And, um, you know, I now like being in social situations for me is fucking terrifying. I'm extreme. I'm super socially awkward. Even though people tell me that I'm not, I constantly feel like I am like, I don't know what to do with my hands when I'm talking to somebody and, you know, I just can't relax. I can't get comfortable. Um, so now I force myself and I throw myself into social situations where I know I'm going to feel uncomfortable mm. um, just so I can kind of condition myself to, you know, to getting used to that because that's just an everyday part of life. There's no escaping that. And I'm going to have to deal with it sooner or later. So, I may as well just throw myself into it. And, you know, if, if I fail, I fail. If, if not, then whatever, you know, it's, um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised as to how well I've done because I have, once I find something I like, I <laughs> tend to just go, I dive headfirst into it. Um, the only bad thing is that I, ever since I quit drinking, I've developed a massive sweet tooth because, you know, obviously your body metabolizes alcohol into sugar. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you stop and your brain's like, Whoa, where's the sugar? So I like, whenever I'm grocery shopping, I have to put like blinders on every time I'm walking through the bakery section. Otherwise I'll just load my cart with like cupcakes and cookies. Uh, So you're like that kind of a sweets person. Yeah. It's, See, it's like Sour Patch Kid. Like, I don't give a fuck about chocolate. Donuts, sometimes not really big on cakes and things like confectioners and stuff like that. But like Sour Patch Kids, Swedish Fish, that's my kryptonite. Oh, for sure. Because, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're all, the worst of the worst. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're bite-sized, so you can just pop them House left and right. Fuckers. Yeah. Yeah, and you don't even, like, you can go through a whole bag and not even realize it. Yeah. You know, something kind of as you were you were saying about how you tend to be more of a recluse, like, and maybe if you're kind of not comfortable with me saying this uh, on when we put this out, I can cut it out. But I have noticed due to getting to hang out with Porter uh, when you guys are around and getting to see you guys like, you know, it's interesting on the uh, I forget what the tour was actually called, but the run you did with the. Memphis Mayfire and uh, Ice Nine Kills um, when you guys played in Fort Wayne. You know, it was interesting to see, to go with Porter that night because uh, there's a bar 
at Pierre's, like when that was like still like around. And we went to the bar after you guys' show, and I think within <laughs> I think within like a week or two after that, Porter was like, I think I'm done drinking. <laughs> Because from what I saw with with Patrick, and it's nothing against Patrick or anything like that. Um, I think it's just a situation like you have a bartender and, you know, his job is to provide kind of the fun for everybody and, and just kind of, you know, keep everyone going. And, you know, there's some big personalities on that tour. And it was really interesting to kind of see the touring aspect. It's one of the few where I actually and I think that dressing room actually kind of creates everyone to hang out because it's just basically a big, you know, circle. And right, yeah. like a couple of green rooms, <laughs> as it were. So it was really cool because it was one of the first tours I've really seen where all of you were hanging out. Um, sans you, I didn't really see you. And most of the tours I've seen where I'm hanging out with Porter, you're not really there until probably 10, 15 minutes before when I think you're kind of doing the band thing to get ready. And I think the one time I've seen you not do that, and it was funny you said like you force yourself into situations and you kind of get nervous with your hands and such, was at the Disrupt Tour when I went to Chicago. You were talking to someone while I was waiting for Porter, and you seemed very awkward because you kept looking around like you were waiting for someone to spot you or like you were like, oh, I found you. But you seemed to be talking to a friend, so it was one of those where I was like, oh, Travis is actually out. <laughs> before before the set like rare is, sighting yeah and I, you know i was gonna say something but then i just kind of was like no like you're talking to your friend i'm waiting for porter and julia like it's whatever but it is something where i've wondered if it's if it's been hard for you because you're more of an introvert or more because potentially it's still just kind of hard for you to I don't know. And so it's, it's kind of been something I've peripherally noticed and have wondered and have never obviously asked you because <laughs> unlike right now where I barely know you, it's one of those where I'm like, I'm not going to like see Travis for 10 minutes and I'll be like, so why do you just kind of duck at like not ever around? <laughs> um, I mean, it's never like a conscious decision to where I'm going to be like, oh, I got to stay away from everybody. I got to be alone. Like it's just kind of a lot of the times it just depends on my mood. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to anybody who wants to have a conversation with me. You know, I just don't assume that everybody wants to have a conversation with me. In fact, more often than not, I assume people don't want to talk to me. <laughs> Therefore, I'm not going to put forth the effort, which mm. is kind of shitty. No, that um, makes sense though. So, I mean, I guess, if it, I mean, a lot of it just, I guess, just I can chalk it up to just having uh, like low self-esteem to, you know, like I said, like I assume nobody wants to talk to me. So why bother? But, um, but then again, you know, there's, there's times where I'm like, I'm feeling, feeling, feeling a little ornery and I want to go hang out and meet people and have a conversation with a complete stranger. And there's times where I don't even want to talk to, you know, people that I've known for years. Or, you know, it's just a very, it just, you know, it, it depends on when you catch me, like what type of mood I'm in, I guess. And not to say that I'm like a super moody person. Like I'm, I'm very, I mean, you can ask anybody. I'm very much just a kind of go with the flow guy. You know, I'm not, I'm very low maintenance, you know, um, it takes a lot to get me like riled up other than 
Southern California traffic. Like that shit will drive me crazy. But other than that, do you have bad road rage? You seem like someone who would. I, I like, do it, and I don't. Like I'll catch myself. You know, hmm. like somebody, like one of my worst pet peeves is when somebody doesn't use their turn signal. Oh, same. So if somebody like veers in front of me without using their turn signal, it just enrages me. And then I have to like remind myself, dude, it's not a big deal. Chill the fuck out. Like you're not, you know, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. Move on. I think know? it's a common courtesy thing though. Like it's like you true, true. And like, I, cause I get the same way when, you know, I'll hold a door open for someone or whatever. And then like, you know, maybe they're supposed to hold the next one for me or they see I'm coming and they don't hold the door. And I'm like, Oh, we'll just go fuck myself. I guess like, thanks. Yeah, it's very it's very easy to take shit personally, you know. Um, and I just have to constantly remind myself, dude. There's bigger things to worry about than the fact that this person just cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was talking to uh, Lee from Born of Osiris. Uh, we just posted the episode, but we were talking like a week or so ago. And you know, we were talking about therapy and stuff like that. Um, something I've been going through the last like month and a half ish. Um, and so we kind of connected on that. You know, something we were saying is like, we think we're the epicenter of the world, but we're not. And I it like made the comment counter and I was like, but we are, though, be like we have to, in order to kind of survive, we have to kind of think we are. And it's this weird duality of thinking about I'm the center of the universe and I need to make sure that I'm taken care of. And, you know, everything needs to happen to me or needs to, you know, have these results so that I can keep going. But that also doesn't serve you well. If that's all you ever think about is I'm the epicenter. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. It's very easy to, um, forget that we are a, we as human beings are an extremely small and minuscule aspect of the universe as a whole. Hmm. You know what I mean? Um, it just, I think it just kind of depends on perspective. Um, you know, like you said, like we, to ourselves, we are the center of the universe. Um, you know, we are the center of our own world. Yeah, for sure. But there's, but everybody thinks like that to some extent, you know? So, you know, I can't, you know, again, I have to remind myself like, is the, the universe is a very big place and I am an extremely small part of it. So there's, it's, it's smart to be concerned or be stressed out about certain things that take place in your life. Mm. But at the end of the day, what does it all really add up to in relation to the rest of the world? You know, so uh, yeah, it just all depends on perspective, I think. Yeah, that's been a key phrase for me lately, this perspective. Um, you know, like I was, I even said, I think to Porter in a text recently, I was like, you know, sometimes at therapy, like you, you feel like you're just blabbing on and you're like, fuck, like, is this person like, they're not stopping me, which is what most people would do in this situation where they're like, shut the fuck up for like two <laughs> seconds so I can say something. It sort of comes back to a thing where I made the comment. I go, 
at times it's almost like looking in 2D for your whole life. And then someone gives you the keys to see in 3D and you're just like, does does anyone else know about this? Right. Like, yeah. Holy, yeah, holy yeah. shit. Like what a difference in perspective this has caused. And, you know, it just permeates into so many other facets and relationships in your life. Um, you know, I, I, I do have a, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, so I have a couple more no, questions for you. Yeah. Um, so I have a question and this is something I know you've, you've addressed quite a bit. Um, but the question I have is I think a different perspective than what I've seen anyone ask or bring up with it. So at least throw the caveat out there in case you're like, dude, I fucking have answered this question a shitload. So obviously you were in trap for a very, very, very short amount of time, um, in the grand scheme of things. The thing that I find interesting about your correlation to it is the fact that whenever news has been made, they always use that promo photo with you in it. Right. And, you know, I would assume most everyone knows you're not in that band and have not been in that band for a long time. But something I always think is interesting is sometimes the the crossfire people find themselves in who aren't even remotely related to something. Um, you know, a while back I had the drummer from Phil and Selmo's band on, and I was like, you know, you're, you're in three different bands with Phil. So when all this shit was going on, were you like, dude, my fucking career is tanked now. And I had nothing to do with this. So adversely, as you see all this shit and you're in the background of every fucking news post that everyone's posting, and you haven't been in that band for years, was there any worry or concern that by proximity you were concerned that people were gonna be like oh well fuck travis too or did you catch any of that by chance or were most people kind of aware that like that w- sorry you cut out again is it illusion again okay there you okay. go all right cool okay um yeah i mean i <laughs> i'd rather that they didn't use the photo with me um but the you know that's out of my hands so you know what can i do um but for the most part um uh, people know that like, I don't have any ties to that band. I was never even really officially in the band. I just acted as the touring guitarists for like, right. part of, for like a year, year and a half. Um, and the, some, I have seen posts or comments where people have, um, mentioned basically to the effect of like, um, oh, I, I bet Travis is, stoked he's not part of that shit show anymore i'm pretty i'm pretty confident that people know that i you know i don't have the same political stance as uh chris uh chris taylor uh chris taylor Baum from that band um so but yeah i mean like you said i'm i'm so far removed from it right now and i'm right. pretty sure most people realize that yeah it's just one of those that like as i like I said, I, I'm interested in, and I've kind of thought more, I guess almost like the butterfly effect where it's like something that seems so small can have such a giant fucking impact on somebody else. And we just don't think about those things, you know, when kind of changing subjects, but very much the same. I think something that's kind of really made me think about that and, and the shift in perspectives, again, kind of bringing that back up is playing Last of Us 2. You know, I was pleasantly surprised with that game you know, I think it did a really good job and something I don't know that everyone takes away from it. If it, and I don't remember, I can't remember if on the, the, uh, the SDFU podcast, if you said you had beaten it or if you said you had given up on it. 
No, I, I played it all the way through. Okay. All right. So spoiler alert, I guess for anyone who is not finished with that game, which I took forever to finish it. So I feel like if I finished it, then everyone else probably has. Um, but I felt like when I finished last of us two, it really set the tone for me thinking about how, again, we are the center of our universe and you think that you're the hero in your story, but you could be the villain in somebody else's. And all it takes is the lack of knowledge on and perspective of what led them to make the decisions they did and to act the way that they did. And you're like, Oh, well you're doing something to me and you're bad. But then it's like, you know, you look at the, the, the small things you did in last of us two, where you're like, or last of us one, where you're like, not even thinking about it. You're like, Oh, this is a fucking game. This is what I have to do. Have to do. And then you see in last of us two, that those things have huge impacts for what's happening in the game. And when I got done with it, I was just like, wow, it's it's really kind of profound to kind of think about that and have that kind of be something that happens because you're playing a video game. And so, like I was saying, it was one of those where as I kept seeing the, you know, these photos and so forth, that it's like, I wonder if you have been more or less guilty by association for something you weren't even involved in. Yeah, I mean, I, I got I got off pretty scot-free. Thank God. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, and I'm very thankful and fortunate for that um <laughs> but you know but also too like i don't regret having um spent time or you know filling in for, on guitar for that band at all i mean i it was um i got paid to play guitar like that's is that a is this might be a really stupid question is that a weird job to take you know like we're yes you're in a band okay i was gonna say i don't know if my question makes sense where i'm like you're in your band you write the music and you're playing it and now basically you're a hired gun and i've i've never really talked to necessarily many hired guns or if i have that's pretty much their job they're just a hired gun um so it would seem like one of those things especially since you never wrote anything with the band that it would be like is it weird to just come in and be like all right punching in for my set i learned my parts and that's all i need to do um, yeah, it was, there was definitely a, um, a bit of a learning curve for me because, um, prior to that, the only band I had really ever toured with was Atreyu. And when you go from one camp to another, it's, you know, the dynamics are completely different. The, um, the overall situation is different. Um, I was the only guitar player for like you know about 90 percent of the set so that was something i had to get used to you know because i was so used to have you know looking over to my right and seeing dan over there right um so you know and just the songs themselves like i i kind of went into it a little bit too um probably a little bit too confident because Mm -hmm. i like i i wasn't very familiar with traps catalog other than like their big songs or their big singles that they had that that they had at the time. So I had to learn all these songs and I figured, well, you know, it's just basic, you know, (laughs) radio rock. How hard can it be? There's actually a lot of weird nuances and stuff that I had to like adjust to and get used to. Um, And I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for that because it, it made me a better guitar player and a better musician. And it also, in turn made me a better touring 
musician. By what I mean by that is, um, it forced me to adapt to new personalities, new situations, um, a new fan base because like I, you know, their fans had no idea who I was. I was just some new guy on the guitar. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was, a, a, a definitely a, a learning experience for sure. And I, you know, like I said, I don't regret it. Um, but then again, that being said, this was before the whole, right. I guess if you want to call it a meltdown or whatever it was, I don't know, <laughs> you know, um, had that happened, you know, had I been asked to join after said meltdown, <laughs> I probably would have steered clear from it. Um, but, you know, things panned out the way they did, and I came out unscathed. So, so yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah, it's funny. I had uh, made a comment when uh, my wife and I were in Vegas when you guys played Lost Rages uh, two years ago now, I think. Um, right literally below my hotel, uh, trapped tantric and saliva. Yeah, well, I, I actually met up with uh, Trap's bass player, Pete, who's mm. who is a, a, a dear friend of mine, and I still keep in contact with him, um, as well as the uh, drummer Dylan Howard, who um, who was playing drums while I was in Trapped as well. Uh, I keep pretty semi regular contact with those guys, and uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to hang out with uh, Pete for uh, at least a, a few minutes and catch up. It was funny. I think I texted Porter and I was like, oh shit, is Travis going to do a double set tonight? <laughs> no, no, <I> <laughs> no, you didn't. I know that didn't one set is enough for me. <laughs> um, kind of speaking of video games, I know when you were on Kyle's show and again, for anyone who hasn't checked out, that's a, a really fun, lengthy conversation. Um, and like I said, one of the impetus is, is that a word? Whatever. Sounds cool. It is now. Yeah. Um, of when I was like, Oh fuck, I guess if Travis is down to like kind of do like a lot, like one of these and kind of talk long form, uh, definitely need to get them on. I'm, I'm all about collecting. So like at this point, uh, you and Alex were the last two that I needed to get. And now it's you and Kyle. So getting, getting them down the line here. Um, but it was, that was kind of one of the things where, you know, it was really interesting to kind of hear some of your hobbies and interests and, you know, video games, you know, you just kind of assume if you're in a band that like you have video games on the bus and it's an easy time killer. Um, especially now with switches and stuff like that as well right. to be more portable. Um, you know, <laughs> given the fact that you probably have a lot of time on your hands, what have you been playing lately? Uh, well, I just finished, uh, the, the newest Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, Valhalla yeah. Uh, I enjoyed that. It was very lengthy. Hmm. Um, so like I finished the game and I was like stoked because I'm like, okay, finally I'm done with that. Um, and I started a watchdogs Legion not too long ago. I'm not a fan of it so far. I played the, the two before it. Yeah. And I, I, I thought they were cool. And I started up on the, this newest one and it took a second to kind of, get or you know kind of find my bearings so to speak so now i'm i'm now i'm like sitting down and i'm enjoying playing the game whereas when i first started it i was like what the fuck is going on with this game i do not understand what i'm supposed to do yeah that's pretty much where i am and that's what's dissuaded me from going back and playing it because i was really excited for it and then i started playing it and i was like oh i don't like this yeah yeah i i experienced that a lot too when i first start a game 
it's the whole like learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, but once, well, I mean, it's like that with anything really. Like once you kind of, like I said, like you get your bearings or your sea legs, so to speak, that's when you can finally start to enjoy it. Guess I'll have to give it another shot. I think as of right now, I've just kind of abandoned hope on it, and I'm like, all right, how long until Far Cry Six comes out? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'm still waiting on uh, getting a PlayStation Five, which should be arriving next week. Fingers crossed. Oh, you actually got one. Yeah, I had to pay a little extra, mm. but um, the main caveat was that uh, being that they're so hard to get a hold of now, I heard that they're like they won't even be readily available to the public till like summer or fall. Mm. So I figured, you know what? I'm just going to shell out the extra couple bucks and, and get one because my, my PlayStation four right now is acting super senile. It's just been ejecting discs by itself out of nowhere. It, whenever I, I power it on, it sounds like the millennium Falcon taking off. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think it's time to get a, a little it's time for an upgrade. Yeah, I bought a PlayStation 4 for the first time like two Black Fridays ago and mm-hmm. bought like Spider-Man, Last of Us, like basically bought all the games that were only PlayStation exclusives. Yeah. Um. So fi- finally finished the Uncharted's, which I had played most of those, but I think I had like the, the, the two women one, the, the newest one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I got a f- I th- close to finishing that one, beat Last of Us, beat Last of Us 2, finished Spider-Man. Now I'm currently playing Miles Morales, which I was going to hold out until I got a PlayStation 5, but whatever and uh but i was able to get the new xbox like day one so that was oh really like i i was lucky enough to get a pre-order nice which was a clusterfuck um, <laughs> I, I could imagine and then after i got it the day two days before they were supposed to ship they kept sending me an email saying that my payment didn't go through so i checked my payment and i'm like money's there like what the fuck what do you mean it's not payment can't go through and then i had to like do this whole run around with customer service online phone calls emails like and then it all got squared away see like, that was a that was a big issue with me as you know i would have tried to get my hands on one day one but i knew that i'd have to go i'd have to jump through a bunch of hoops like you did and i didn't like, know I didn't know I'd have to though, like the two, because I bought the Xbox One and then the Xbox One X when those both came out day one, and I'd never had any problems getting either one of those. So I assumed trifecta, like this would be the same thing. Right. And I knew everyone was having problems with the PlayStation Five, so my thing was just get your Xbox. That doesn't seem to be the as in demand system, so right. just be fine with that, and you're good. And then get the PlayStation Five when it becomes more available. But I was like sweating bullets. I'm like, what the fuck you mean? I, I've been, I put in my pre-order. I got my email. It says it's confirmed. And here's my confirmation code. Like, how the fuck can you tell me? Like, I'm not getting it. Like two days before it's coming out and it's supposed to be at my house. Right. Like that's horseshit. <laughs> First world problems, man. I know. I know. First world problems. <laughs> and then I recently got a switch and I'm kind of like, why did I get this thing? But yeah, for, I was, for traveling yeah. on flights, I love it. Yeah. I, I've been meaning to, um, uh, get my hands on one um, for that purpose specifically touring or playing flights in general but uh, I really don't have to worry about that right now because obviously we're not going anywhere so I can bide my time have you you know with with Brandon and and uh, Porter starting up uh, Twitch accounts is that something you've thought about doing I have thought about it uh, Brandon definitely is trying to get me on the uh, Twitch train 
Um, but I, I need, I need to get like the technical know-how <laughs> of how to like set it all up. And like, I've seen, you know, like people's Twitch feeds and it, there's just so much shit going on. It's kind of, it's very overwhelming. So oh, it is. I, that's something I'd have to learn. Um, and the internet connection in my place isn't the most reliable <laughs> so that's that's an issue and, throwing uh, you under the bus then for the connection issues right yeah just yeah it's all my fault yep um, <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i mean maybe at some point i'll you know, get a wild hair up my ass and jump on the uh the twitch wagon um kind of you know lastly i guess um you switched from esp guitars and i i gotta say you and dan not being esp esp artists is, is kind of weird to me yeah we've uh a lot of people have said that which i find kind of weird like i didn't realize people put so much stock into which guitars we were playing um but yeah i mean i've uh i signed on with the uh, balagir guitars uh last year mm-hmm. and um they they've been treating me like a king they've been super super generous with me um I have a signature model, or actually a couple sig- uh, signature models out now, um, which if you go to balagearguitars.com, shameless plug, uh, you can go check those out. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, for both me and Dan, it was, just, it was just time to try something new. You know, um, we have a new album coming out. It's a new decade. It's... <laughs> It's a new lineup. <laughs> Is that really what goes into buying guitar? That's a new decade. Need new right, guitars. yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> us as guitar players will find any reason to get a new guitar. Oh, I bought three in the last, like, year. <laughs> and I don't, I don't even need them. <laughs> well, I mean, guitar, I mean, guitar players really only need one guitar. But yep. try, to, try to convince any guitar player of that, yeah. you're not going to get very far. I'll so, at least say this time when with one of them, I got new pickups, different set of pickups that I'm used to putting in. And that's been really interesting and kind of eye opening for me. Uh, Cause I went with Fishman's after talking with Ken for a while and I wasn't insanely sure if the hype was real, but then I'm like, all right, like a lot of my favorite guitar players, like Steph from the Deftones, like I really like his tone and the versatility of his tone. And when you see him live, he's able to read. And I know a lot of that is also Kemper's too. So right, before, any, right. before any guitar nerds like, oh, well, actually it's uh, you know, he's, he's got his tone in his Kemper too. And I'm like, yeah, hey, I get it. But right, right. you know, the, the versatility of, you know, him of what he's able to do live uh, with his guitars and so forth. And, you know, Keith or not Keith, uh, but like Andy from every time I die kind of starting to use them a little bit and just seeing the versatility of who's using them and kind of being like, huh, well, I mean, I know I love EMGs. Like they always fucking sound great and they're reliable. So like if all these people who used to be EMG only artists are doing this, like, let me see what the big deal is. So I put a set of the, the kill switch uh, fluences in and Jesus Christ, those things are phenomenal. Like, and it's made me kind of like, like and i just bought a new a new head right behind me too uh for the first time in ever so now i'm also having to dial in tones which i've never had to do which i'm like this is so stupid like (laughs) and then someone was just like and i was like thinking about everyone being like you just get a kemper and i'm like i don't really have four grand laying around to get a kemper but 
then I'm thinking as I'm trying to dial in tones, I'm like, God, a Kemper for four grand. Like, is it really worth it for not fucking with all these dials and dialing in shit myself? And I can just download the tones I want. Maybe that is the way I need to go next time. Well, the thing with the Kemper is that, I mean, there is, there is definitely is a learning curve. To- is there? Cause everyone makes it seem like it's, ridiculously easy well okay but then again this is coming from a guy who's very gear challenged same and very gear stupid so it took me um it took me a little while to kind of like figure out how the whole thing works and i still haven't you know really figured out how to use it to its like full potential Mm. um but yeah i mean the convenience factor of it um especially for touring bands is um, it's hard to beat that, you know, cause we, we don't even travel with cabinets anymore because we're all on, we're all on in-ears. So um, it makes, you know, it makes life or it makes our life for our crew a lot easier because they're not lugging around these gigantic heavy cabs and, you know, it's consistent. Um, I mean, there's always going to be the purists out there who will swear up and down that it's, you know, analog amps are better. Um, And yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to have a bunch of different amps to use at my disposal while on tour, but it's just, it can't happen. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, this is pretty much the the next best thing. And, you know, I mean, chances are whoever's in the crowd is you know they're not going to be listening to my tone or dan's tone and they're not they're you know i'm pretty sure they're not going to be like oh that's definitely digital that's definitely a kemper or they're using a axe effects or whatever like it's just it's it's loud it's distorted you're good to go to be that asshole i think at the lost rages show which granted it's outdoors so with the smallest grain of salt, the sh- the sound could have been moved by wind or whatever. As where I, I was in front of you, usually it's about where I am. But I was going to say, I did notice there was a couple of times. I was like, is that the right? I think it was like doomsday. I was like, is that the right tone for that? Like that doesn't quite sound like the, cause that's I'm, usually, I, I might've very well fucked up and had it on the wrong <laughs> preset. And I've seen that a couple of times, but it was just like one of those, like where I am that asshole who's like, Oh, I've listened to these things so often. And I know like, like my wife always jokes. She's like, I don't think I've ever like at the time she's like, I don't think I ever listened to the new Atreya record, but I know every song off of it. Cause I heard it live like a shitload of times. Right. Like, right, I know right. The set, and I was like, mm, well, that's, that's how it happens. Actually, <laughs> my last uh, question for you before I let you go. So uh, my wife and I have really fallen in love with the, the paper castle song. And I've kind of talked to Porter about it. Like when he was on his stream the other day, I was talking to him about it. I was like, Oh, what are your, cause we, he was doing like a music Wednesday thing or something. And uh, I was like, Oh, like what are some stories you have of that? And he was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, Brandon came with the chorus and, you know, he was kind of talking about some things and he's like, I don't know. Just didn't really have a whole, whole lot. I think he said actually like Jacoby was going to do was tapped initially to do kind of like uh, Alex's like kind of rapping me part right. initially, but that didn't pan out. Uh, of course the internet goes out right there. Um, <laughs> who plays the, uh, the guitar melody that kind of accompanies the, the ascending um, vocal and, and like the synth thing that's going on in the background is, is that you? Cause that feels like a, you part. Honestly, I don't remember. Mm. That's the weird thing about, um, you know, r- recording an album is that, you know, you're, 
you're so invested into it at the time. <laughs> and then once it's done, it just, you know, you don't ever think about it again. Hmm. So when it comes to like, um, you know, if we're going to play new songs on tour, it's kind of like, it's a huge undertaking for me and Dan because we have to figure out who did what. Mm. And then on top of that, how to play it because it might've very well, like the, you know, certain parts of songs just end up on there, like right at that moment in time, you know, just totally uh, spontaneous. You lay it down and then you don't think about it ever again until you have to play it again. And then you have to go back through and be like, okay, you know, is that me or is that you, Dan? I don't know. Well, do you want to play it? I don't know how to play it. You, you play it. <laughs> you know. So we we have a lot of homework to do whenever we release whenever we release a new album and you know eventually head out on tour. We've got to kind of dust off some cobwebs and uh, take a little refresher course. What is a song that you've always wanted to play live but you haven't out of the catalog? Oh man. Um, actually, we were just talking about this the other day. Um, uh, there's a song off our second album called, uh, Nevada's grace. Hell yeah. Which, um, I don't, I don't think we've, well, I, I know I've never played it. Um, and actually I listened to that song for the first time in a long time, uh, somewhat recently. And, um, I was actually kind of kind of taken aback as to how good that song is especially when thinking of how young we were when we wrote it like it's a very i mean it's a it's a heavy song for sure but it's also it has like this sense of maturity to it where it's not just you know brutal breakdowns and sick mosh parts <laughs> it's there's a lot more to it than that there's a lot of there's an ebb and flow to it there's peaks and valleys um the song itself I mean, it sounds so fucking cheesy to say it, but the song itself is very much like a journey. Yeah. Um, so um, hopefully one day uh, we might, we can, um, you know, bring that and uh, put it into the set and um, ho- hopefully people will love it. Some might not because like we've had, we've always had that pro- not problem, but like uh, somebody will request some deep cut, you know and we'll be like you know okay yeah we'll give that a try let's play it and you know we play it and then it's just blank stares from the audience because either you know it's such a deep cut that they're not familiar with it or that's not the song that they came to see so it's it's always a weird thing like you kind of have to you have to pick and choose your battles as far as which songs to play i think that was the thing for me why it was so fun to see you guys again I don't even live in this state, but it's in this area, but it's, it's easier to go to than going to Detroit. Um, but when you guys played that, God, where the fuck was that? That festival <laughs> in uh, Toledo. You, it was like, you guys, he is legend. Uh, it was like a bunch of tours that just happened to merge. Okay. Uh, yeah. I vaguely remember yeah it was weird <laughs> um but it, you guys played your like your greatest hit set the fan okay. picked one and it was yeah, really yeah, cool yeah. to see some of the songs that like i haven't seen it since some of those albums had come out and so forth and it was just like oh shit like it's really cool to hear these songs and 
it just kind of gets to the point where it's like, I know you guys get to the point where probably there's stuff you guys want to play, but like, you're like, well, gotta do lip gloss, gotta do this, gotta do this, gotta do this. Like, and then it's like, well, that's our 45 minutes to an hour. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if we were to leave right side of the bed out of the set for a while, I'd be perfectly fine with that. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I would actually encourage it, but you know, like you said, you know, fans they're paying good money to see you play that song specifically you know so i think oh no good i was gonna say i think in light of your live stream that you guys did and brandon playing the theft by himself i almost would like to see you guys do an unplugged of some sort we've kind of we've briefly toyed with that idea um not necessarily playing like a full on acoustic set, but you know, kind of um, changing things up a little bit with certain songs, like you know, like like we did on the theft, um, just to kind of give it new life, you know. Um, and it, you know, it's always it's always it's fun for us to do stuff like that because uh, you know it keeps a song that could be you know thirteen, fourteen years old you know, changing it, changing it a little bit here and there kind of adds new life to it for us and as well as the audience too. Yeah. Last question before I have you plug socials and all that kind of stuff. Um, what are you looking forward to in this new year? Well, first and foremost, hopefully like getting to play shows again. Um, I mean, I think that's really the only thing <laughs> that I'm <laughs> looking forward to just because like, uh, you know, when this whole thing started, you know, it was like, okay, everybody's got a shelter in place. Don't go anywhere. Don't talk to anybody. <laughs> and, and I was like, like I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? That's, that's your typical Wednesday for me. Like, right. no problem. I can do that. And then, you know, after a few weeks of that, it turned into a few months of that. And I'm like, okay, this is getting really fucking old. So, um, yeah, I mean, getting to play an actual show in front of people will be, um, you know, I will definitely have a huge sigh of relief once that happens, or even just going to a show to see somebody play live. Like I, I'm more than down for that too. Surprised I didn't see you guys on that, uh, Florida festival that got announced last week. Yeah. There's been some pop. It's, it's hard to keep track now because there's so many that, either reschedule and then they get canceled or, or they, you know, they just flat out, you know, okay, well, it's not happening this year. It's going to happen next year. Maybe not even next year, maybe the year after that, who knows? So it's, I kind of gave up on, um, really paying attention to Mm. what is happening, what isn't happening because it can change, you know, literally change an hour from now. Right. So, yeah, we'll just we just gotta wait and see. Unfortunately, where can everyone find you or whatever you would like to to plug? Goddamn, the sun is like right in my face. Yeah, I, um, I saw that. I was like, oh, you, you, thank God I'm not talking to Porter. I would have lost you. <laughs> you would have just gone up <laughs> it, and playing. It just would have been a beard. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so socials. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Travis Miguel. Uh, no spaces. Uh, same with Twitter uh facebook i am i'm not as active on twitter um 
but even you know that being said like i post maybe once a week on instagram yeah so <laughs> that's why i'm um, surprised you have twitter <laughs> yeah but i am on there um uh facebook i don't really mess around with all that much anymore because evidently that's for old people and i'm hey you gotta get a space yeah yeah, I guess. I mean, I see it. It's hard to keep track with. Have you seen what, this? The space. What is it? Space Hay, I think, is actually what it's called. Someone mm-hmm. recreated MySpace. Really? Yeah. So there's like a top eight. I created and... my profile a long, about a month ago. I haven't really had a chance to fuck with it, but like it by all accounts, when I was setting everything up, like your your music, your like it's got the box for all your stuff to fill in and all that kind of stuff, and it has like the the online now like thing, just like MySpace did. I'm kind of inter- like I don't want to get too involved and waste my time creating this thing, right? But it's got like the blogs, it's got all that kind of stuff, and it's one of those where I'm like, you know, people say this is what they want. Like, is it going to be a thing? But then again, I also just got an email that was like Vero point 2.0 is here. And I was like, Oh fuck, you guys are back. Like you were cool for like two seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody's attention span is literally like the size of a gnat. Mine yeah. included. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure next week there'll be something else. Um, but yeah, well, the whole MySpace thing, that's funny because we were just talking about, you know, nostalgia. Yeah. And evidently the nostalgia is real. Well, maybe that just means we need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we made it through the end though. We did. I'm proud and, of us. And yes, and I will forever blame you for all the connection issues, even though I had to switch my computer <laughs> and everything else into something else. I'm still going to blame you and or the weather. Fair enough. Well, thank you again so much for taking the time and hopefully uh, we will see you some point at the next show. If I actually yeah, see man. you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was cool. Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your day. Likewise, brother. Peace. Peace. So that was my conversation with Travis Miguel. Again, of Atreyu. Uh, their upcoming album, Baptize, is up for pre-order now. Again, head over to atreyuofficial.com. Uh, there's a lot of sweet bundles, whichever one catches your fancy, go ahead and pick it up and support the guys. Chet was kind of fun. I mean, we kind of go all over the place. I really kind of actually enjoyed learning more about him as a, as a person and kind of his guitar influences, even though I look like a total asshole going like, yeah, you know, I just don't see you being like one of those guys like, yeah, you know, Metallica is really like where I got my start. And he's like, well, I mean, actually Metallica was Metallica is straight up like how I got my start. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, go fuck myself, I guess. (laughs) You don't don't strike me as that kind of guy. Okay. So let's just, let's just go with it. I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, especially, I know I'm kind of speaking more as I've learned how to play a trade songs on guitar and seeing the band shit at this point for over 20 years. um, When I hear what Travis plays, it doesn't, it doesn't really sound like either James nor Kirk. So I don't really, envision it being and having that kind of being an influence like you know when he wears a lot of these shirts of like uh the smiths and stuff like that like that would kind of be something i could see like where it's kind of more complimentary playing and kind of filling an atmosphere or vibe and that's not really something metallica necessarily does uh to me uh neither of the players really do that it's kind of very straightforward james is kind of the driving force and you know kirk just plays his uh whammy bar pedal solos and you know wah pedal solos and shit and that's that's pretty much what you got yeah yeah no i mean it makes sense i thought it was really interesting not not to keep bringing the trapped thing up um but uh i i did think that we could do hashtag trapped get a billion downloads uh but no like i thought it was interesting how you how he still felt that like 
yeah, playing Radio Rock, you'd go in thinking it's fine, like it'll be super easy, but then it's actually like super nuanced and like a lot harder than you would think that it would be. I just thought that was inter- That was a really interesting takeaway. Well, I think something a lot of people don't take into consideration is like, so I'll, I'll use a song like uh, Everlong by Foo Fighters. Super easy song to play on guitar, but there's just kind of a certain feel and a certain timing that you have to have to kind of play it right. Um, a lot of people play it too quickly. I'm guilty of it myself. Um, I've seen a million covers of it and they're not all great. Uh, Cause then, you know, like there's just something about kind of, it's a, a song simplicity that actually makes it really fucking complicated. Like for every, and myself included for everyone that kind of shits on ACDC, it's like, yeah, but you try to be that tight playing those riffs. I think you're going to realize it's a lot harder than you think it is. And yeah. I think, you know, when, you know, nothing against a you, but I mean, they're, I would say exponentially faster playing than what is done in trapped. I mean, I haven't really heard anything since that first record, but it's one of those where it's just a completely different kind of style and feel. And I think Travis probably just didn't, you know, know that. I mean, I don't think anyone really would. Yeah. Kind of hard to predict. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny. I was, uh, watching Porter's stream earlier and he was saying, cause I had, uh, sent Amy, the publicist, uh, the band's publicist, a message saying like, Hey, by the way, we're dropping this episode and we, you know, I know I didn't set it up through you. Porter set it up and was awesome with that. So thanks Porter. And, uh, you know, thanks Travis. But I, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, just so you're aware. So you, you're not kind of caught off guard by it. And I was like, you know, don't worry. We didn't talk about Alex. We didn't talk about the new album because we didn't know anything about the new album. So right. um, is what it is. However, I completely forgot about the trap part. And so like, part of me is like, ah, oh, fuck. I hope people like, I hope that's not the central point of everything that gets potentially picked up. Um, Cause it's definitely I mean, really, it wasn't. It was just kind of a sort of throwaway question. Not a throwaway question. I definitely was interested in it, but I I didn't really think much of it other than just, you know, that's a very weird situation where it's like, dude hasn't been in the band for shit, almost 10 years now, I think. Yeah. But because of the current things that are going on with that band and people are still using that promo photo for whatever reason, like, it's just like, are you? you catching some shit for that because like people are like oh my god i can't believe you like you're you're associated with that and it's like i'm not <laughs> i haven't been i was actually surprised that um that nobody said anything to him about it he seemed very like yeah no they, nobody's really said anything he's like but i mean clearly i got out of it <laughs> scot-free i think that's kind of one of the unfortunate things uh about some of these things and you know and as i said um you know going back to our joey gonzalez chat Sometimes I think, especially with cancer culture kind of being so prevalent now that I feel like a lot of times it's almost like you're just guilty by association before you can even say anything on the matter. Like I could see people being like, oh, everyone that's involved in this photo that's in this band, fuck them. And people go after them. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's not. No. <laughs> right. So it's it's just kind of an interesting idea to kind of work around. And I don't know. Uh I mean, we're seeing a lot more, a lot more things getting canceled in the last week of us as of when we're talking. Um, you, man, canceled. Well, so I've heard that he is, but then I heard it was just literally everyone's in an uproar about Pepe Le Pew getting canceled, quote unquote. And all it really is, is that he just the scene that had him in it in the new Space Jam movie was taken out. And that was it. It's not that he's canceled or anything like that. It just he they, I guess that his scene wasn't necessary. So they cut him out and it's, he's not even a real person. <laughs> it's weird seeing not real people get canceled. Yeah, I have to admit that. Like, it's a little weird. 
And then the same with like, I guess six Dr. Seuss books have been canceled that didn't sell anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That happened. Um, so it's, a, it's an interesting time to be alive. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. I'll uh, leave it at that before. Something- I'm not offended. I'm not upset. It's whatever. Yeah. You know, but yeah, I don't know. It's very strange. It was interesting today. I saw my time hop speaking of that, and then we'll kind of wrap up the episode. Um, I saw today it was the time hop of like a year ago, I guess when Biden was officially going to run for presidency or, or uh, was close to, and he was still going up against Bernie Sanders. And I saw a tweet that I had seen going around on Twitter and it was something to the effect of like, Oh, if you type in berniesander.com, um, it takes you straight to Joe Biden's campaign to where you can like, uh, donate to his campaign. Like how shitty, like what an underhanded tactic. And I was like, and then my status on Facebook was just like, I've only been awake for five minutes. And I realized what the obvious reasoning that that was, was it's because his name is Bernie Sanders, not Bernie Sander. Right. And so what they what a lot of people in that situation will do is they'll buy the domains that are close to what you're looking for, hoping that you're going to mistype. And then they're going to get taken there and then maybe they'll just donate or maybe they'll donate, not realize that they're on the wrong thing because they thought they typed in the right thing. But that was the thing is like a lot of people were like, oh, this is how, you know, politics are, are rigged and all this kind of shit. And it's like, no, again, you're overreacting to something that isn't even a thing. And if you just would have taken two fucking seconds to look at what you're doing, you realize no one's in the wrong for doing it. Like you just have to pay attention to what you're doing. And then before you start spreading misinformation, like realize that the <laughs> like that was the one thing is like I saw all these people retweeting it and they're like, oh, see, this is how politics are rigged. And it's like. Are you none of you smart enough to look at the fucking thing and then go, oh, it's spelled wrong. And then like just stop spreading or stop retweeting or sharing the thing. Like when I did it, I was like, it's spelled wrong for those that can't figure that out. Maybe this is why we keep having misinformation spread so quickly is because people get outraged by something and don't ever take the time to actually look at what they're reading or read the whole fucking thing. Yeah. So that, that reminds me a lot of whenever, uh, I think if you went to Antifa.com or something, it would point to Joe Biden's website. Mm. And uh, everybody was freaking out about that. And it's <laughs> like, dude, you know, anybody could just buy a website called Antifa.com and they could just link it to wherever they want to, right? Right. But, like, I, it's just, it's it's bizarre to me that, it's bizarre to me, like, how little people actually know about technology and how it actually works. They, like, like, because we grew up at a time. You remember, you remember your parents telling you, like, now, John, just because it's on the internet doesn't mean that it's true. Anybody can have a website. No, and that's what that's what my parents taught me. And now my parents are like, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, oh, we, random phone call, sure, I'll verify my social. <laughs> Oof. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I just think it's it's interesting the time and day and age we live in now where just so much information is just rampantly spread with no regard for fact checking or doing any kind of due diligence on your own end. Um, I think it's a, a, the root of a lot of problems actually. Um, but yeah. as Dan was actually speaking about uh, things, you can click on links and you know, you can just make it take you wherever you want. Uh, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, if you want to head over to Facebook at a tray, you uh, Instagram at a tray, official Twitter at a tray, official or atreyofficial.com uh, that'll have all the links uh, to all their socials all the pre-orders and so forth again the uh, new album Baptize is up for pre-order uh, if you'd like to follow Travis uh, he's still funny so <laughs> when he posts yeah 
You know what? Sometimes Dan's funny when he posts things on the internet. So uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I post things all over the internet, man, all over. Uh, really, just one place, uh, a couple places. Okay, so yeah, all over. Uh, I'm on YouTube at Discuss Metal Dan. I'm on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. I'm on Gmail at Discuss Metal Dan. I am on Instagram as Discuss Metal. I'm on Facebook as Daniel Terry. And uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm all over the place. I do another podcast called Discography Discussion, and uh, so does John. And uh, another podcast called Discuss Metal, and another podcast called FPS Frags Per Second. So uh, you can find all that all that goodness at discussmetal.com, or you can find it on YouTube at Discuss Metal Dan. And if you would like to keep up with this podcast, simple enough, BruceSpeakPod.com. It's our landing page for everything. It'll take you everywhere. There are links uh, to all of our sponsors, our friends' podcasts, and so forth. Um, super simple. Not going to beat a dead horse. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. You know why you need to do that. Uh, please do if you can. And uh, worst case, just share the episodes. Uh, if you like what you hear, just share. That helps just as much as a rating or a review. Our sponsors uh, are also super awesome, as you heard. i got to run down the list again. Rockabilia.com. Head on over there. They have over 500,000 items in their online store. Everything is 100% officially licensed through the bands, so you don't have to worry about uh, the integrity of the stuff you're buying. Head on over there. Use our code BREW. Get 10% off your total purchase order rockabilia.com get you some awesome swag on point pomade keep your beard and hair looking on point use the code bsp15 save 15 percent off your total purchase order and last but not least is the bean bastard stay awake with some delicious coffee if you live in the buffalo new york area head to the brick and mortar try some of the awesome food that they have there as well as their coffee and uh, for the brutally speaking podcast i am john and i am dan we will talk to you all next week with chad from legend slash for the fallen dreams I'll talk to you then.